Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Raise our spiritual bars, right? Where we, we, we might be at one level, but I think God's like saying, hey guys, it's time for us to take another step. It's time for us to go to, to, to new levels. And um, part of that process is to recognize and understand and for us to actually invite God's presence into our life. Invite God to, to kind of live in our life in a sustained um, way that just you, you continue to feel this presence and you continue to feel this, his power in our lives. And really what, that, what it is is that we need to align our hearts we need to align the altars of our hearts to welcome him, not just on Sunday. See, I think sometimes we get that, well, you know, God, God, God's there, but, but we welcome him on Sunday. But see, God wants each one of us to welcome him every single day, right? To, to the point where we, maybe we get up out of bed and the first point that our feet, that when our, our feet touch the ground, welcome. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, God. I mean, he's already there, but oftentimes we, we, we lose sight of the fact that we, we just need to welcome him because we've been learning over the kind of this course of it that God comes where he's wanted, right? God comes where he's wanted. James chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. So when I draw near to God, I'm telling God, God, I welcome you. I want you. Come and be a part of my life today. And the scripture, it's a promise of God. He always backs his word. Says, I will come. Because you want me. You want me here. So I will come. I will be with you throughout your day. And, and we, our theme scripture has been Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. Where um, Jesus, you know, he says, Behold, I stand at the door. And this is in the Amplified. It says, I stand at the door. I guess they changed it on me. Um, and it says, of the church and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, restore him and he with me. And we've learned over the kind of the course of the four weeks beforehand that, you know, Jesus is talking. He's saying this to believers in the church, in the church of Laodicea. He's saying it to them that, hey, you guys, you have lost your pursuit. You have become lukewarm in your pursuit of me. You, you, you've kind of just totally don't even really understand your true spiritual condition. Have you ever done a spiritual condition analysis? Right? Where you sat down with the Lord and said, where, where am I at spiritually? And just maybe as like Corey said, where you just be quiet before the Lord and let him talk? Because he wants to talk to you. He wants to show you where are you at spiritually? Where, where, where are the things in, in your life that, that maybe need correction or, or, or kind of a course change or, or like we say, you know, the GPS thing where it says, no, turn this way instead. But see, what happened is they became lukewarm and they, had, they just kind of no longer really took responsibility, I think, in some ways when it came to their, their dedication and intimacy with the Lord. It was kind of, well, yeah, I'm just doing my stuff. I'm doing those things that I need to do. But man, there's no like real spiritual depth or, or um, um, yeah, spiritual depth to what, what's going on in their life with the Lord. 
And so, again, he wasn't questioning their salvation. He just wanted them to know, hey, you might think you're fine spiritually, but you're not. Because somewhere over the process of time, you know, they, they lost something. They lost that focus. They lost that pursuit. And so here, here Jesus is telling them, hey, we have to understand that, you know what, it's our responsibility to be watchful doorkeepers of our hearts. It's our responsibility. It's not, it's not your mom or dad's responsibility. It's not your pastor's responsibility, although I'm, I'm a shepherd and I'm called to help cultivate that. But really, when it comes down to it, each of us will stand before the Lord and we have to answer to what have we allowed into our hearts. Have we been diligent to stand guard? Or have we just kind of let anything flow in so that, you know, we're just kind of, well, you know, I'm saved. I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. But man, there's still things that are, are just constant struggles. And he gets that, but man, he, he wants so much more for us. And so we have to understand that we've got to be these kind of doorkeepers of our hearts. And then really, when we're doorkeepers of our hearts, guess what? That means we become doorkeepers of his presence. Because he, he comes where he's wanted, right? And so if we're watchful over the doors of our hearts, he comes. We talked a little bit about being, being examining ourselves, right? Not leaving those doors unattended. And so what we want to get to today is we want to talk about this, this, this fifth one. And like I said, it's been kind of just words that the Lord had kind of dropped on my heart. We've talked about the fact that um, we need to hunger and thirst for him, right? To put out the welcome mat, we need to become people who are hungering and thirsting for him. We need, we need to be people who have clean hands and a pure heart before him. And then we talked about having a, a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, and then we talked about two weeks ago about a lifestyle of expectation. I'm expecting God to do something in my life. I'm expecting God to do something when I pray. I'm expecting for God to, 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 to come, right? Because you, you can hear me all I want. Hey, yeah, put out the welcome mat. Yeah, great, rah, rah, Pastor Scott, way to go. But man, wh why can't we expect him to come? Right? Why can't, I mean, in stories in the Bible, man, they, they couldn't wait for Jesus to get there, right? And, 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 and atmospheres changed, things changed. But, man, we've got the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so it's us being open to, 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 to be able to say, come, come, and I'm going to expect that, God, you're going to show up. Now, sometimes, I, and you know this, and I know this because it happens in my life, it doesn't exactly look like the way I want it to look. But that's okay. Because you know why? Who's at the center of it all? Jesus. Jesus is at the center of it all. If we keep it right there, he's going to work it out. All things work together for good to them who love him, right? And so today, I want to kind of encapsulate everything together kind of in this, this one message. And, and here's the title of the message today, A Need for a Lifestyle of Consecration a need for a lifestyle of consecration. And um, how many would, of you would agree that we live in, a, uh, that our culture of our times is all about compromise, right? Our, our culture is about compromise. It really, it really is. I mean, it's, it's sadly found its seat at the table in many believers' lives. 
But see, that's, that's not the heart of the Father. That's not the heart of Jesus. That's not the heart of the Holy Spirit. For us to, to, to compromise so easily when it comes to the, the things in the world. But, but here is a, is, a, is a quote for you that uh, a, a gentleman, an author named David Wells uh, wrote. He said, worldliness is, is what any specific culture does to make sin seem normal and righteousness seem strange. Man, can't you feel that in our culture right now? Anytime, man, sin, oh, sin, that's normal. That's just, that's, you know, it's kind of that, that me culture thing where, man, it's just all about me being comfortable in what I want and this is my reality and all that stuff. But, but the fact is, is that our culture makes sin seem normal and righteousness seem strange. But the, here's the deal. In order for us to live in righteousness, you got to have courage. Wouldn't you say? To some degree, you got to have courage in this world, in, in this, this, this thing. And really, the enemy comes at, um, I, I believe, uh, believers um, extra hard with, with, with just an assault of trying to, 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 to get us off of our pathway, to, to compromise in things that, that we really shouldn't even be, uh, you know, crossing the line into. And, it, and if, here, here's the deal. Like, so I would say this, compromise is being unfaithful, unfaithful to the Lord. So if you're unfaithful more than you are faithful in your walk with him, then you've got some issues. You've got some things that are going on that, that, that need to be um, changed, need to possibly even be um, forgiven, need to be corrected. Because really, when we are unfaithful, when we compromise, um, we actually end up kind of restricting um, and, and his, his presence and power in our life. And he doesn't want that because really his whole, his whole heart is to surround you with his love, surround you with his grace, surround you just in, in things that I can't even comprehend and you can't comprehend. But that's the goodness, right, of our God. So this is where consecration comes from, right? It's a biblical term. Every firstborn male was to be consecrated to the Lord. Priests were to be consecrated to the Lord. The spoils of war, some of it was supposed to be consecrated to the Lord. In Joshua 3, God tells Joshua, hey, get all the people together and have them consecrated because I am going to do great and mighty things, amazing things ahead of them tomorrow. And then in times of decline in Joel chapter 2, God says, hey, get the people together and consecrate yourselves. It even goes fast as well. Because you know what? When you do that, when a people begin to consecrate themselves, set themselves apart for God and God only, God said, you know what I'll do? I will come and you will see things restored. You will see the answers to your prayers. And then there's people whose whole life was consecrated unto the Lord. And the practice of that is linked to... um, uh, uh, a law and a vow of the Nazar- Nazarite in the Old Testament. In, in number six, 
And I'm, I'm not having you turn to any scripture really up because there's so much stuff to this. But in, in number six, we find um, the law and the vow of a Nazarite that uh, is required, right? For, for, um, for, for those who were uh, called full-time, right? So think Samson. Samson was a full-time Nazarite, right? He wasn't supposed to cut his hair and all those things. But, but it kind of gave some things here. It says, so, um, I'm sorry. So he, here's, here's what, they, what it says in, in number six, that it was a commitment and a vow to God where one would say, I want to enter into basically a season of disproportionate commitment to God, meaning it's pretty radical, okay, in order to do that. It's to separate themselves solely to the Lord. And then secondly, it was marked by three things. One was you couldn't drink wine, anything similar to it, nor grape, couldn't do grape juice or even grapes, right? As a kid, I think I probably was like, Mom, I am consecrated to broccoli. Ah, no, I don't want to do that, right? You know, or whatever, liver or whatever it is. You, you pick your vegetable. Um, then the other thing was, is they had to let their hair grow out. And then they couldn't touch dead bodies. To me, that's always been an amazing one. Like, who would want to touch a dead body anyways? But that was just one of the requirements. And so in that, though, it's interesting because it, it, there can be seasons of consecration. Doesn't mean, man, you got to be, you got to be Samson all your life, all your life, right? Doesn't mean you got to get your Nazarite on. But there are seasons where we can enter into this consecration where it's not, it's not fasting or saying, Lord, I'm going to give you my, I'm not going to eat for three days or whatever it is. No, this is a, a, really a lifestyle change, right? To separate oneself out from amongst what all the stuff that we, we encounter. And, and the great thing about it is, is just if we want to press in, people wanted to press into their relationship, then, then it was something that it was, it was not required, it was voluntary. Can you imagine that? Voluntary. Now, consecration doesn't mean you got to be a priest and you got to go live up in, in the hills and, the, and have a Sherpa and all that stuff or whatever. And, you know, that's not what consecration is. But in your life, there are times and seasons where the Lord is calling you, trying to ask you to come and to, to consecrate yourself, sanctify yourself, set yourself apart from things that are um, ungodly to focus on Him. So I'm not, I'm not asking you to all of a sudden, you, hey, I got to sell everything and do all that. I'm just saying that God wants us to consider where are areas in my life that I am unconsecrated? Is it, is it certain TV shows that maybe the Lord would say, hey, that, that's really not something I want you watching? Is it, is it so, that, so maybe for a season? All right, Lord. You know, and I found this about the Lord. What he does is he'll say that, and then you say, okay, I'll do it. So you start doing it, and then when, when that kind of season's done or whatever that commitment is, all of a sudden you, you'll notice like, yeah, I don't really need to watch that anymore. Like, I, I, I was totally into ESPN as a kid, and then even, you know, when I, when I got into Bible college and stuff, like, that was like one of the first things I loved to watch in the morning. But then I recognized that, you know what, that was like the first thing I was watching in the morning. And so I, I guess you could say then I consecrated myself. I didn't jump into it anymore. And then, you know what, I don't even care. I don't even turn the TV on anymore. But it's, but it's certain times where we just say, you know what, Lord, it's you first above everything else, 
And, and the thing is, is what we have to understand, it, it, consecration will cost you something. It'll, it'll cost you something. Um, Bishop J.C. Riley said this, there is a common worldly Christianity in this day which may have and think they have enough. A cheap Christianity that offends nobody, requires no sacrifice, which costs nothing and is worth nothing. Think about that. It costs nothing. So it's worth nothing. My Christianity is worth nothing if it's not costing me something. If it's costing me something, if it's costing me to, to maybe lay it out on the line and, and have people look at me differently, then that's something I should be able to do because it's costing me something. But when we don't do anything with it, it's really worth nothing. And, and, and when I say all that too, I, I, I don't, I'm not passing any judgment because I'm walking down the same journey and I feel all the challenges to this. But like I said before, it's going to require courage. It's going to require courage for us to, to just be able to, to say, man, I, I just don't think that's right, right? I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to go that way. You do you, but I'm going to do what the Word of God says. It takes courage to live with that kind of conviction. And I, I would guess, too, you know, if I were to ask, hey, so what are you doing with the next four, weeks, four months of your, your year? Probably most of you said, yeah, I'm thinking about consecrating myself. Thinking about total consecration, man. It's been on my heart. It's been this. Probably not, right? Yeah, I'm going to get my Nazarite on. Yeah, man, I'm so excited. No, we don't really think that way. But, but the thing is, is that I think there's, there are areas in our life where we can actually look at and say, man, yeah, that may be a season of consecration I need to have with the Lord. One pastor kind of defined it this way, and to me kind of, because, you know, the, the Nazarite um, thing in, um, in, in uh, uh, man, Judges, or yeah, I think, was it? No, what was it? I'm sorry, I got numbers. What would they have to do at the end of that season? They would have to make a sacrifice to the Lord. That was part of the, the agreement. But, but today, you know, you're not going out there and making a, a, a um, sacrifice after you consecrate yourself. But one pastor kind of gave this definition, and I kind of liked it. It says, consecration refers to the way we dedicate ourselves to the things of God through special sacrificial acts. Okay? It, again, it, it's setting oneself apart to, to um, divorce oneself from anything unclean. Right? To wholly, to, to wholly dedicate yourself to God. And I, I, and I don't know what those things are in your life, but I'll tell you, God's talking to me. <laughs> and you're like, come on, don't talk so loud. But, but he's talking to me about those areas and even in my life. But those are those things that maybe are unclean where I need to take some time. And let me give you three, two components um, before we get into our points, three components um, that I'm not going to teach on really. Um, but three components of consecration are this. Cleansing, sacrifice, and dedication. Cleansing, sacrifice, and dedication. And when those three things are actively together, you're going to find a consecrated life, right? And, and I want you to take note, too, this, this cleansing part is not a religious 
self-righteous cleansing. You know, where it's like, oh, I got to do this or, or whatever it is. But it's really just an application of the righteousness you have in Jesus, right? You just apply it to your relationship with him. It's, it's, it's like looking at things and being able to say, you know what? I am right with the Lord. Since I am right with the Lord, then why am I allowing and dealing with worldliness in my life that really worldliness sabotages your identity, sabotages your relationship with him? Never thought about it that way, have we, in some ways? It actually does. The more we engage in the worldliness of this world, the more it sabotages that, that relationship with, with God. And really what it does is then it, it blocks our ability to hear his voice. It blocks our ability to hear him say, you're my beloved. I love you. Because we're, a lot of times, man, the enemy will come in and just bring guilt and shame and all of these things just, and it will, you know, dump it on us. But see, when I say cleansing, though, I'm, I'm talking about the fact that you are already made righteous in Jesus. Therefore, you can lean upon the covenant that he's made with you, that you are forgiven. All you got to do is repent and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, and then walk in the righteousness that he's given you, but, but not living in this worldliness, not dealing with it. And so let me give you Three um, things about kind of this key of consecration. Um, And the first one is this. Consecration is relational in nature. Consecration is relational in nature. It's kind of like, well, why? Why should I consecrate myself? I mean, that just seems tough, Pastor Scott. That just seems like, man, I got to do what? I got to do something? But see, we have to like get out of that perspective of I have to do it or whatever, and understand I'm doing it because it's a relational aspect of my life with Jesus, right? Relational, it's relational in nature, right? So you're not consecrated to a theology. You're not consecrated to a philosophy. You're not consecrated to an ideology, okay? Your consecration is to a person. That person's Jesus, that's who you're consecrated to. So when you say, man, I, I want to consecrate myself or I'm doing this for a season, you should be doing it because you know what? You want to draw closer to Jesus. That's the reason why. It's very, it's very relational in nature. This, this is what uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and through 14 says. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Turn to your neighbor and say, for us. It says, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So God has saved you not just so that you would stop sinning, right? He saved you for himself. He said, come, I'm doing this for you, right? Out of love, I went to the cross and died on the cross because I love you. 
Not just so that your sins can, you, you don't have to sin anymore. No, I did it because I want relationship with you. It's very relational. He, he brought you into this, this intimate relationship with him. And he says, you're mine. I love you. I bring you into this covenant relationship with myself. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this, but you are a chosen people. Did you know that? You're a chosen people. Each every single one of us is a chosen person. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. Every single one of us are special possessions. All right, turn to your neighbor. You look like you're getting a little tired and say you are a special possession. It goes on to say that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, uh, but now you are the people of God. That's relational, relationship. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You received it. So it's relational. So you're consecrating yourself, right? Is, is doing it in love, right? Doing it in, in, in even in a faithfulness to, to the goodness of God, to the Lord himself. And one of the things I think we got to realize in that, that, this concept, is that, you know, the way you frame the story you're in determines the role you play in that story. Okay. I mean, have you ever thought of the Bible as a love story? I mean, the Bible opens with, with a wedding and closes with a wedding, right? Adam and Eve. And then we'll find out in just a second, it closes with, with this love story. It's almost like God's this like lovesick lover who is after his treasure one more than just a moral policeman waiting to give out tickets. Because that's sometimes how we approach it. Ah, he's just waiting for me to mess up and then he's going to like, you know, slam me. But instead he's like, no, no, no. My heart is that I want you to be engaged with me because I love you so very much. But we've got to understand the story that we're in. This, look how the, how the Bible ends in Revelations. Uh, chapter 19. It says, Hallelujah! I don't want to get too crazy on you, you know. Hallelujah for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. That's what consecration is saying. When you engage in it, it's no to every other lover. Think about it as an engagement, right? When people get engaged, they're basically, hey, no, I'm off. I'm, off. I'm getting off whatever those dating apps are, closing it all down. I, I, I'm solely for this person. And, and ready. But, 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 but two, it, it, it's this, this period of, of, of us walking this out. I, I'm engaged to the Lord. I, I, I'll be, when I get to heaven, man, I am like going to see this marriage of the church, the body of Christ, all together. 
But as I'm walking this out, I, I'm still trying to figure things out sometimes, right? I'm not as smart as I look, people. I'm still trying to figure out what, what the Lord's saying and how, how to do this and how to, how to live all of that out. But see, here's the thing. When, 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 when you, when you um, get engaged, at least I remember when we were there, man, all of a sudden things change. Right, man, now all of a sudden, all this money is going out. Plans are being made. You know, they, I mean, there's people, people, hey, you want to go out to lunch? You want to go out to dinner? No, man, I got to save my money. I'm getting married. I got, I got to make sure that I got, you know, everything going on. But see, we got to understand that that kind of is how our relationship is with Jesus. I want to get to the, to, to the, to the, to the, um, to the, to the, the marriage part of it. Because you know what? Here's the deal. I am a part of the wedding ceremony. We don't think that way. We think, oh yeah, we'll get to heaven, great. But you're part of it. Every single one of us is a part of the marriage ceremony. Think about that. You're in the wedding. That should be something, man. I should see more smiles on, my, on your faces. A lot of you are just like, mm, you know. That's Okay right? But we have to understand, we are in the wedding because it's relational, because he loves us. The second point is that uh, consecration is about being consecrated to a purpose, right? So I, I, as I consecrate myself, not only is it so that I am relational with Jesus, but it's also the fact that, man, I am consecrated to a purpose. It gives opportunity for God, the Holy Spirit, to work in my life to say, hey, you, are, um, you have a purpose to play. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 through 21 says, In a large house there are articles, not of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Now, I don't know if you have fine china, or not, right? But usually when, when, the, when the fine china comes out, man, that's when basically you value valuing who you're eating with or it's a special occasion, right? That's when it comes out because you know, you know this to be true, right? You got paper plate people, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> we got paper plate people. We got, you know, the regular plate people, and then you got the fine china people, right? Where you're just like, oh man, these people are so special. I want to honor and value the guest. Well, you know, in some ways it's kind of the same thing because I believe that we are all candidates for God's special purposes. Let me say that again. I believe that we are all candidates for God's special purpose. Do not discount yourself and say, well, you know, I'm... Pastor Scott, no, I'm not really. No, you are a, a, a candidate. But see, here's the problem, though. Many people choose to opt out of that candidacy. Nah, not me. I'm not that gifted. I'm not that talented. God can't use me. Yes, he, yes, 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 he can. He can use you. Right? And sometimes we think, too, well, Okay, the special purposes is only for pastors. You know, those guys that went to seminary, or ladies went to seminary. Or, you know what, 
Maybe it's just for those super charismatic, outgoing people, you know, the ones that have the special spirit juice, and off they go to, to pe- talk to people, right? Sometimes we think that. But he, he can use them, but man, he also, he uses, he can use anybody's personality. Anybody. Whatever your personality is, he can use you. Right? He can use any level of education. Praise God for that. He can, it doesn't matter. Right? He can use anything or your cultural background. He can use anything. It doesn't matter where you come from. God can use you. He has a special purpose and a special plan for you. But see, here's the thing. I think we have to understand, in order for us to fulfill the special purposes, we've got to be committed to him. There's got to be times of consecration to him. There's got to be times where we we set aside and say, man, it's you and you alone. I don't need what this world has. I don't want what this world has right now. I just need you, Jesus. I just need you to pour and speak and and, and just encounter you at, at, at such greater levels. But see, we got to want it. We got we to gotta take our actions and our steps into it. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He planned those special purposes long ago. So you're not an accident. You're not just some person that just kind of showed up on the scene and like, hey, no, God's oh man, I already got it planned out. I already know what I want you to be able to do and fulfill in the kingdom of God. But see, sometimes we don't look at it that way. And so what's wrong with asking him, what do you want me to do today? What's my special purpose today? What, what, what is it that I can do? You want me to pray for somebody? Bring it. Let's go. Let's go, let's go do it, right? So we were born in the image of God to to be used by God for incredible kingdom purposes. But I think what's the greatest tragedy is when we, um, you know, waste our lives on lesser things. That's the greatest of tragedies, right? We we just kind of don't really follow what God wants to do. So living a consecrated life means others may, but I may not. Others may, but I may not. In this season of consecration, in this season of me seeking the Lord and really getting before, others may, but I may not. That takes courage, right? And that takes commitment. That takes dedication. Because, you know, I want to get to the point where in, in this season, in this timeline of, of God's timeline, where God says, who can I use? He can say, I can use Scott. I can use Pastor Scott. I can use the Catawba campus. Right? Do we want to get there? I want to get there. I want us to be able to see the fullness of God just moving because we have prepared our hearts. We've prepared ourselves. We've consecrated ourselves to the point where God says, hey, that's a church I can use. Remember, it was stated way, way earlier, God will bypass the 99 lukewarm churches to get to the one that's, that's on fire. 
right? He'll bypass the 99 lukewarm Christians to get to the one that's on fire. Man, I want our campus, our, 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 our church to be on fire for God. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll get to this last part right here because this, this rolls into it. So not only is it about you know, a, a relationship and not only is it about the fact that we have a purpose, but we're also consecrated for power. We're consecrated for power. And a great example of that happened when Jesus got baptized, right? He gets baptized, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness for 40 days to what? To consecrate himself. It wasn't just about him fasting for 40 days. Consecration is, has that element in it. But he consecrated. There was nothing else but him and the Father. Nothing else but him and the Holy Spirit for 40 days. I mean, I know they didn't have TV back then. And they didn't have radio back then. At least I don't think so. But, man, what if you consecrated yourself? Think of your next vacation. Oh my gosh, I'm going to take 40 days and consecrate myself. Nothing but Jesus. Nothing but the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's, that's pretty radical, isn't it? But see, he, he was consecrated. And then look what it says. I followed it up with Luke 4, 14 says, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Not in the power of the flesh, but in the power of the Spirit. Emphasis power, Right? <laughs> We're consecrated for we won't consecrate for, for power. So consecration was a key element to Jesus' public ministry starting. But but sadly, I think, I hate to say this, but really it seems like most churches are powerless because the body of Christ really has been, I think, in some ways duped into believing that they need to be consecrated into their jobs, into their careers. We understand that. We'll work 80 hours a week if we have to. But see, when it comes to Jesus, we're not so much. Yeah, I can, I can give him maybe an hour and a half on Sunday. Oh, and if you go over an hour and a half, Pastor Scott, man, you're messing up my time to get to Bob Evans. Better wrap it up, buddy. Right? But, but, but that's, that's the thing we've got to understand. Are we, are we going to consecrate ourselves? Man, this is my time. This is my time to listen and, and hear from what the, what the Lord is saying. And, and here's the deal. There is so much promise of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of, uh, in the Word of God in this Bible. Promise, promise, promise after promise that God wants to release power through you. Right? Even Jesus said, greater works you will do than I did. What? That's crazy. But why aren't we seeing that? Maybe it's because we're not consecrating ourselves. Instead, we're compromising at times. Let me give you a, a really wild story, okay? This is in Acts chapter 14. Now, this is where Paul healed a crippled man. And the people right? Because Paul and Barnabas were moving in such power, begin to say this. They begin to say, the gods have come down among us. And they began to set up their pagan sacrifices because they thought the gods came down because he healed a man. They were like, totally like, oh my gosh, the, the God, God is, these gods are here. And those, that's a little G, by the way. Okay. 
Say little G. Okay, just want to make sure you're awake. Okay. Now, this is what it says. Now, Paul says, hey, hey, wait, stop. It is not us. It's God doing this. Right? This, this, this is how crazy it got. Acts 14, 18 says this. This is in the Passion Translation. He says, even after saying these things, hey, guys, it's not, it's, we have nothing to do with it. It's God working through us. It's God's power working through us. He says, even after saying these things, they were barely able to restrain the people from offering sacrifices to them. That's crazy, right? I mean, they're going to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. But he said, hey, it, it's, it's not us. It's God. Now, we know that that wouldn't occur today, but man, think, think, just think about this. If we were to consecrate ourselves without compromise and step out in faith, God's power, I believe, will be released through you. And you know what that will do? That will draw people to you. That will draw people who want to know more about Jesus through your life. Think about it. If you consecrated yourself, say maybe you said, okay, you know what? This is what I'm going to do for a whole month. I'm going to take a certain day or whatever, and for two hours, I'm getting rid of something, and, and, and I'm not calling it a fast. I'm consecrating myself to the Lord. And, and after those two days, what I'm going to do when I get to the end of the month, I'm going on a Saturday in the middle of Rock Hill, in the downtown Rock Hill, in the middle of it, and I'm going to stay there, and I'm going to say, Lord, who can I pray for? Who can I talk to? Who, who needs you right now? And then you wait. He'll lead you to somebody. He'll draw someone to you. Because you know why? You consecrated yourself. You said, Lord, this is what's on my heart. I know it's already on his heart. And then when you get there, he's going to have people showing up because he cares about people. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lead that person to you over here. I'm going I'm to take it. And man, all of a sudden, now you're realizing, oh my goodness, man, I am able to pray, talk to, share Jesus with someone. And I could change. I could be part of that change in their life. I mean, man, there's probably no greater opportunity um, greater thing than leading someone home to Jesus. Right? All because of this added grace of, of his power in our lives because the Holy Spirit is working in us. So if we want more of the kingdom of heaven in our lives, we need to give God a little more capital of our lives. The stuff we hold dear or the things that are, are, are so maybe highly important to us where he might say, yeah, that's really great and awesome. And I I still want you to do that. But for a season, will you consecrate yourself from that? Will you you step out and, and just focus on me? And here's the thing about consecration too. I really believe that when you consecrate yourself more, he, he sees that and he can trust you. So the power will be released. See, he doesn't want to just give power so that it bloats someone's head. It makes them feel all, oh, look at me. I'm so wonderful and great. What he wants is to be able to use you, have power flow through you because you are a trusted one. You're not going to, for lack of a better word, jack it up. 
and make it all about you because it's always all about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. So just to land the plane here, wrap it up, right? So I believe this is a season that the Lord's just been talking to us about, about leaning in like, you know, just never before and seeking the Lord, right? Even, even putting into practice some of these keys that I've talked about with the hope to close any gaps, right, to what the Bible promises and what we're experiencing, right? We should be experiencing on a daily basis what the Bible promises. I'm just going to tell you, I don't see that every day, but I want to. I'm on a path. I'm on a journey. And the Lord keeps working on me. But I keep thinking, man, you've got these promises in the Word of God. And then I see, man, what am I experiencing right now? I'm not seeing that. What, okay, what, how do I close the gap? And I think that's why the Lord's saying, hey, hunger and thirst. Pastor Scott, I'm pointing it right at me. Hunger and thirst. Clean hands, pure heart. Get in and pray and fast more. Get, you know, begin to have expectancy. Begin to, to just consecrate yourself. Because I, I truly believe that that can happen. Because that's what the Word of God promises. Right? All God's promises are yes and amen. There's no no in it. But sometimes it's about me actually facilitating that through my life. And the Lord being able to say, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.